Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. So we're going to move on into the last part of our series um, on the Holy Spirit. This is probably the most controversial um, topic in regards to the Holy Spirit. A lot of it was just kind of overviewing it, setting the tone, setting the framework. We spoke about some of the, the different gifts uh, last week. We could have went into way more depth. We could take a, a Sunday on each gift, but we've kind of done more of an overview just to introduce you to it. And I remember speaking to someone in a congregation, they were at a worship service, and they were just like, it freaked me out. <laughs> People were doing weird things, saying weird things. And I think this is good to talk about this kind of stuff so we have a bit of an understanding. Is this biblical? Uh, uh, and are there different viewpoints? And listen, you don't have to believe anything, uh, but I'm going to present it to you, and you make your choice. Um, so a bit of context. There's probably two main areas within the Bible that the gifts of the Spirit are spoken about, or we see at least gifts for the church, spoken about in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians and 12. Today we're talking about uh, the ones in 1 Corinthians 12, some of the more unusual gifts. We're going to deal with two of those. Um, So today we're talking about prophecy and tongues. Uh, Some of you won't have a clue what that's all all about, but you'll hopefully know a little bit more after. This is more of a teaching, more so than it is preaching, so uh, it's just hopefully good to learn and go away and be challenged to maybe press in again or or maybe press in for the first time and be open. Um, It's interesting, in the context of Corinth, it was a bit chaotic. There was people, there was egos, there was all kinds of sexual immorality. It was a bit chaotic, the situation. A bit like our church, yeah? I'm only kidding. Um, But but it was just a bit mad. It was the the early church, and so they were still trying to learn what are are these gifts, what has God given us to help us to move forward uh, with His church. Um, And what you find is a lot of the people were more dysfunctional around the more more dramatic gifts or the more uh, spectacular, you would say. And maybe this is why prophecy in tongues become a thing. Um, Maybe people got more attention uh, through it. Um, But the interesting thing that we see within the Scriptures is that instead of Paul, who was overseeing them at the time as an apostle, he didn't tell them to stop. Because sometimes when people get chaotic, you just like, stop, stop, we're not going to do it no more. You just can't do it right. Maybe some of you parents are thinking about that, you know, like that with your kids. Like, I'll try to give you a chance to play with this new toy or this bike or this football or or whatever. and, And you just can't be trusted, so it's just stop. We're not doing that again. It's too much hassle. Paul didn't say that. Paul actually said, actually, listen, I don't, we're not going to ban it, but we need to get some order. We need to get some structure into place. One thing we also learned last week is, you know, the spiritual gifts weren't based on your talent, your intellect, how spiritually, um, a spiritual hierarchy or something like that. It was really a gift. In its essence, it was by grace you received these gifts. So they're not medals to be shown, but they're instruments to be used. Uh, The gifts were always intended to be used for God's people, to edify and build the church, to help one another. It was never supposed to be to get a TV channel or something like that. It was always supposed to be to help one another. Can I get an amen to that? Um, And so today we're going to concentrate on just two of of the Scripture we're about to read. So I'm just going to read this again in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, 
another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another the distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and, to, and still another the interpretation of tongues. And all these are are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Let me just pray. God, we just pray and thank You, Father, that, God, every good and perfect gift that comes from You, and so anything that comes from You is good, is helpful, is useful, and gives us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. Help us to be open-minded. Help us to learn about how You operate, and help us to see Your power at work in us. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. So we're going to start with the gift of prophecy. So the gift of prophecy is a special ability to speak forth the message of God. That's a basic definition. It's the gift that we receive. It gives us the ability to speak um, forth the message of God. So in essence, a prophet is essentially a spokesperson for God. In the Old Testament, that's essentially what a prophet was. They just spoke for God. If God was saying something, that was their way. That was God's way of communicating to a group of people. But it doesn't always, sometimes we hear the word prophecy and some of us will be thinking it's about fortune telling or something weird like that, or it's about telling the future. It isn't always about telling the future, but it often is. Um, And we'll we'll look at a few scriptures. Prophecy is mentioned more often than the other gifts. Uh, And so it does rise above the rest in some ways. We find it referred in Romans 12 and Corinthians 12. 13 and 14, Ephesians 4. So it's mentioned more than the rest of the, the spiritual gifts. It says in Ephesians 4 and 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. It's speaking about the gifts that were given, the offices which were given to the church to strengthen the church, to edify the church so the church could function well. Um, <clears throat> it says in 1 Corinthians 14 and 1, pursue love and strive for spiritual gifts. So really, as Christians, as Christ followers, we should strive. We should, we should, we should earnestly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially that you may prophesy. So there's something about prophecy. It stands out. It's, it's, it is set above the rest in a way, as we see here. It says in, in Corinthians 14 and 39, so dear brothers and sisters, so another note, it's for male and female, be eager to prophesy. Watch this. Don't, and this will we'll, we'll connect with this. It's a point for the next uh, topic, which is tongues. And don't forbid speaking in tongues, even though at that time they were experiencing all kinds of chaos. So I want, I want to tell you a story. Um, in transition, before we had started this church, I was praying about what to do. I wasn't sure, should we plant, should we not? And as you've seen there, the church was established by the apostles, by the prophets. So, so prophecy was a part of taking a journey with God it was, and making big decisions. It's in, it is actually important, if not essential at times, to have some sort of prophetic insight, whether it be personal between you and God or, or with other people as a confirmation. And so I was praying and I was realizing, right, this is a big undertaking. I don't want to just start a church willy-nilly and just go for it in my own strength because there's going to come a day where it gets too hard and I'm going to need to know that God has called me. 
Can I get an amen? And that applies to getting married too. That applies to any big major decision in your life. You better know, because there's going to be there's going to be pits, there's going to be dark days, and it's going to feel hopeless in your own strength. Can I get an amen? And so this is why the gift of prophecy is really there, and, and the sensitivity to the spirit of what God's called you to is there, because it gets you through the darkest days. It helps you to complete the assignment while on earth, whether it even be parenting or whether it be a job that you feel God has called you to, and it's hard. It's painful. It's, it's brutal. The easy option is to walk away and to give up. And this is why these spiritual gifts are key. And so here I am in the transition, in the in-between. What should I do? Where should I go? I don't want to do it in my own strength, my own ideas, so God speak. And I went and done this course at a local church, and actually Paul and Priscilla Reed were, were there doing a workshop one night, and it was a workshop on prophecy, and, and listen, we will do that soon, because um, I've always thought, I'm going to take a side note, I want them to come and do that with us at the right time. And so I'm sitting there, and everyone in the room would say, I've never prophesied. <laughs> you know, they asked, show of hands, most people are like, what? Don't even know what this thing is, but, but I'm here. It's part of the course, so I better, we better attend. Uh, and says, well, by the end of the night, pretty sure most of you will have prophesied. And so they kind of give us a brief biblical background and explain what it's all about. Uh, and then it, we started to get nervous because we had to get into small groups of like two or three. And they said, right, just go for it. Literally just pray and just whatever thoughts come into your mind about the person next to you who you don't know. <laughs> We're like, what on earth? So you've got to trust random thoughts in your head, but with a spiritual kind of inclination where you're kind of asking, Holy Spirit, just speak to me simply. And so here I am, and the stage that I was at within planting this church was, I was like waiting, waiting, waiting on things to fall into place. I was waiting for, we were in preparation phase, we were getting set up as a charity. There was that, that was what was going on with my, in my life personally. Uh, and I think, I'm not sure if we had, I think we had acquired the building, and so we were preparing the building to launch and open the doors for the first time. And this young lad who had never prophesied before, never spoken this way before, but just very humble and just very honest, says, I guess I'll give it a go. He says, Phil, this is what I've seen. It's kind of really random, but I just, as I was praying there, I just let whatever thought come into my head. And I seen you, and you were on like a racetrack. And the lights, you know, it was red, but it was about to go to amber. And then it, it was about to turn green. He says, I feel like, I don't know if that means anything to you, but I feel like you're in you're waiting to go. You're in preparation phase. You're revving the engine and you're ready to put the pedal down. I'm like, well, that's exactly where I'm at. This kid had never prophesied. He had never even thought about prophecy. He was only about 22 years old and he just had this random thought come to his head and I helped. You know what happened? I became encouraged. I was like, whoa, God must see what I'm doing, it's like confirmation that God's saying, you're getting ready, you're doing the right thing, keep going, I'm in this, I'm supporting you through other people. And because someone opened up the space for someone to prophesy, and I received a simple word from a young, humble lad, I was encouraged to keep going. Who knows, it's nice to have a bit of encouragement in situations which are heavy in your life. Who knows that, that, a, that a church with that kind of simple encouragement, individuals who are going through stuff, and someone just comes alongside them and says, this is what I got, does it mean anything? And you go away feeling filled with confidence again, 
filled with, with conviction, filled with the knowledge that God is with you, who knows that's a good thing for a body of people, for a family of people, for just an individual. And so th- this is what I believe, why prophecy is one of those gifts that needs to be unlocked. Because it's good for you. It's good for me. And who knows that that young lad went away thinking, oh my goodness, I've got something to offer. If I'm sitting on a train with someone, God might actually want me to speak to someone in a way that they'll be like, how did you, understand? How did you know that? Well, I didn't. Just I prayed to God and he gave me this idea. And if it fits, you, you may as well take it that that was God speaking to you. Um, and so I went away. I was encouraged. I, I, was, I had less fear. I had less worry. And I, now I'm telling you that story in the hope that that might repeat itself. And, and it even encourages me now. I need to activate this a bit more in my life and not just kind of go through the motions. We see in the early church that the prophets were being, they were active from the beginning. The beginning of the church, the prophecy was active. Uh, we, we see um, Peter quoted the book of Joel. It says in Acts 2, uh, No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. This is the early church. They're speaking the scripture in the book of Joel. There's a person that I've never heard about before in the book of Acts called Agabus. Anyone heard of Agabus? One person. There are two real spiritual people in here and the rest of us just stick to the main verses and that's it. It says, one of them named Agabus stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would certainly be a great famine over all the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. This is the early church. New Testament, Jesus had come, died, rose again, again, ascended to heaven. This, This word of prophecy is predicting that, hey, there's a famine coming. Why? Not to hurt, not to disappoint, not to make us sad. To say, get ready. Just equip yourself, prepare yourself for your benefit. So we also learned, obviously, that both men and women exercise the gift of prophecy. We see that Philip had four daughters who were, pro- who were prophets in the early church. It says in Acts 21 and 9, Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they were leaders. So what does that mean? It means if you're sitting in a pew and you're not in some sort of leadership role, you, can, you still have the ability potentially to prophesy. You don't need a title to say, go and try and prophesy. It's just being a part of the body of Christ. So the prophets were not necessarily in leadership. Acts 15 It says, then Judas and Silas, both being prophets, spoke extensively to Christians, encouraging and strengthening their faith. So typically, prophecy isn't really about warnings. Typically, prophecy was used to edify, to strengthen the church. That was his primary role. It says in 1 Corinthians 14 and 29, let two or three prophesy, now watch this, and let the others evaluate what is said. Why? Because sometimes prophecy is not accurate. Because it's a human being that is prophesying. And, and honestly, sometimes if people are really immature in their faith, they can get weird with it. And so you must evaluate. Come on, I'm sure there's a few people in here have had a few weird prophecies spoken. 
And so that's why we got to be careful. <laughs> and it's okay to reject it. And it's okay to say, I'm not sure it doesn't fit. Just put that one on the shelf and not give it too much weight. The worst thing you can do is just assume every time that someone prophesies over you that it's God speaking. That's the worst thing you can do. Because what if they prophesy that you should quit your job and never work again? And then you're like praying for, I need a job, I'm broke. Well, let me tell you something about that prophecy. It was rubbish. <laughs> and so we got to be careful as well. It's not just to kind of take what's thrown at you and just run with it. It's use wisdom. And so evaluation brings accountability. So if someone's being a rope and throwing weird prophecies out, well, then they're held to account and said, hey, listen, you need to stop throwing those weird prophecies out. We're going to hold you account. And uh, I'll send them to Peter to rebuke them. Uh, and that'll be it done. Um, so prophets instructed and encouraged people. Uh, you, you know, in some ways, in a general sense of the word, you know, prophecy, in, when we're speaking, I'm speaking God's word right now, it's, it's in some ways, in a general sense, it's prophecy because I'm representing God and his word and, and speaking that out. But in, in the kind of gift of prophecy that we're speaking about, it's not, it's technically not that. It's more specific. It's a, it's a divine revelation that God gives us. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, for, for you can all prophesy one-to-one -one so that everyone may learn and everyone may be encouraged. Everyone say encouraged. And so that is the primary reason for prophecy is to encourage the church. Did that, did that help anyone? Yeah. We kind of a little bit more, it's less freaky, it's more kind of normal. You don't have to have some, uh, you don't have to have a degree in theology in order for this gift to be activated. And so we're going to move on into the gift of tongues. I, I, I know that the gift of tongues is one of those ones that probably gets a lot of bad press, and, and sometimes rightfully so. Uh, other times, it's actually working against maybe a gift that God has available to us, as we'll see here uh, in the Scriptures. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, to one there is given through the Spirit speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to another, and still, still another, the interpre interpretation of tongues. Um, it says here in 1 Corinthians 14, so dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid the speaking of tongues. So Paul is here He's realized people are just throwing it out there. They're not thinking about anything. They're not considering non-believers coming through the door. And, and he goes on to talk about, hey, they, don't have, they think you're babbling and they think you're crazy. So, so maybe think about new people coming in to church. <laughs> and they hear you babbling on. They think you've lost the plot. Calm it down. There's of no use to the, This kind of tongue is of no use unless it's spoken in the language of man. Meaning, unless it's in our context, unless you're speaking English, how can you encourage someone if they don't understand? It's not really rocket science. Um, so he's saying, basically, shut that down, but we're not going to ban it. So there's a role for it. There's a part for it. Um, but, but if we're going to do it in the congregation, there has to be interpretation. Or it doesn't edify. It can actually work against and confuse. Um, so, so really, what is it? It's the special ability God gives someone to speak, pray, or praise in a language that they have never learned to communicate a message from God to his people. Or it can be used to edify your spirit, just to encourage you. Um, it says in 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, uh, it talks about speaking the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. So the tongues of men is speaking in our, our native tongue. 
The tongues of angels is speaking a heavenly language, which is really what tongues would be said to be. I'll give you an example. Uh, a, fr- a friend of mine, uh, his parents, they were missionaries in Portugal for 18 years, brought up in a, a Baptist background. Uh, that they, they don't believe that they would believe that the gifts have ended. Maybe some of you are there, where it was only used for the, the start of the church, and then that was it. Um, and so they were in that position theologically. They've always been there, and that was that. And they came home, uh, and they do ministry here locally. Some of you might even know them with the Portuguese community. And so they're fluent Portuguese speakers, and they went into a local church, Pentecostal church. And during that church service, uh, you know, they kind of, they were there because they, you know, they agreed with most of, most of what the church believed. They maybe differed in that, but they were open. Um, and maybe like some of you here, um, you don't agree with everything we do, but you agree with most of it and it'll fit. That, that, that works. Do, do you understand as a church, we don't expect everyone to agree with everything we do? Why? Because you go nowhere. <laughs> it's not going to be the perfect church for you. It's not the perfect church for me. We're all different different personalities, different ideas, and that's the beauty of the church. We should have different opinions, and that's the tension of truth. Uh, and that's why truth is found in community. It's found in a conversation with a few. Uh, the wisdom, it's to get wisdom, you go to multiple counselors, the Bible says, not just one, not just yourself. Uh, and so anyhow, they went into this church service, and all of a sudden, someone started to speak verbally in tongues. And they're like, oh man, this is the weird part I don't like about this church this is the part I just want to leave for, I put my earplugs in. And so they're, they're firing it out, and, and it is done orderly. And so they're waiting on, a, on an interpretation. And they're like, I, I understand what they're saying. That person who doesn't speak Portuguese is speaking Portuguese. They were actually speaking, beknown to them, they were speaking in Portuguese. And because they were Portuguese missionaries from Northern Ireland, they could understand every word that they were saying. It was something about giving God glory in that moment. It was something specific for the church at that time. But because they were native speakers, they understood and they were blown away. And guess what happened to their theology filter? The theology pipe got blew up. All of a sudden, they realized, oh my word, this tongues thing must be real. There must be something in this. There must be a deeper level than I'd ever considered. And so I think that's someone very close to home. They literally have church across the road with the Portuguese community. And so what I'm just saying is, let's be open. Because if God has something in store for us that's more powerful than us, and it's, it's got the ability to encourage us and the church, it, it's got the ability for God to use us to do incredible things, why would we shut it down? Why would you not be open? Why, in your darkest day, would you not want the power to keep going and finish the mission at hand? Why would you not? 1 Corinthians 14 and 2, Paul writes, For anyone who speaks in tongue and does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in his spirit. I'll be honest, in my personal experience, I didn't get it in a, in a church service. I didn't um, experience uh, a prayer language, I like to say. I, I like that terminology. It's a bit less freaky uh, because of the maybe past experiences I had. And so, to be honest, I didn't really maybe get vulnerable enough with God until I went through hardship where I was desperate. And that, that's when I became open to say, right, I'm going to give this thing a go. Because you know what happened? I didn't have anything else to say to God or to pray or to ask for. I was done. I was anxious. 
I was at the end of my tether. And I just started to say, you know what? I'm just going to let whatever comes out, come out. I'm just, I want intimacy with you, Father. I want every bit of power that you have available to me. And I just, I just let it happen. And I think that's the hardest part. When, when you have a theological stance that doesn't allow it to happen, you don't, you're always tight. You're always stiff. Come on, you ever been in any of those places? It's just stiff. <laughs> like, you're not even sure, are we allowed to say hello? Are we allowed to smile in here? If God's about intimacy, that's why expression and worship is good. It's important. We, you forget about caring about what the person beside you is doing. That's why we dim the lights in here, so that you can concentrate on intimacy with God. Listen, if you want to do anything with God, for God, if you want to endure this dysfunctional earth that we live upon with integrity, you're going to need some power. You're going to need some power from up on high to in, come internally into your heart to fill you with joy when the outside is chaos. So I think it's important that we're at least open to that kind of power. Because you know what it helps us to do? It helps us to make the right decisions. When the crowd is saying, no, you can still say yes. But not, not if you're empty in your soul. Not if you're empty in your spirit, because you're just going to go with the flow. You're just going to go with what everyone wants, because you don't have the power that is needed. It says in, in 1 Corinthians 14 and 4, he who speaks in tongues edifies himself. So you can see there's two examples of tongues here, it seems, in the early church. There's one which can be interpreted in the corporate gathering. It's for the edification of the body. But then individually, there's a tongue which is about the edification of the individual. And this is what Paul's speaking about in 1 Corinthians 14. He who, he who speaks in tongues edifies who? Himself. So really most of the time the tongues is used is to edify yourself. Is to pray in the Spirit when you don't understand or your mind can't go there or you don't know the words to say. You pray in the Spirit. You edify the Spirit. You encourage yourself in the Lord through this gift of tongues it seems. And here's the Apostle Paul said, said himself, as he's kind of disciplining the church in a way of just being outrageous with how they're just throwing this gift of tongue or trying to parade this gift of tongue or, or trying to like exercise it in a way where it's all about me, look at me, look what I've got, look what I can do. He's saying, right, don't do that, but I'm not banning tongues. And he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 14, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. More than all of you. So the big question now is, and you're sitting there thinking, well, am I a second-class Christian because I don't speak in tongues? Does everyone speak in tongues? Let me say this. I've, I know some people who speak in tongues, and there's very little love in their heart. And the, the, they speak in tongues at the weekend and live like the devil on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And so when you kinda, you're tying that up, you're like, whoa. Like it's maybe not the be-all, end-all. Because I also know some people that don't and maybe don't even believe in the gift of tongues and, and don't believe in that being a thing. But yet they've had fruitful, functional lives and they're full of love and full of the Holy Spirit and full of the joy of the Lord. And, and so let's, let's go through that filter as we read the Scriptures. Um, we see in Acts 2 and 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So something happens, it's definitely a connection. In Acts 10, it says, Peter is at the house of the Gentile called Cornelius. He's telling them all about what Jesus, uh, all about Jesus, and here's what happened. While Peter was still speaking these words, 
the Holy Spirit came on all who had heard the message. Uh, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished, and the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard, what's this? For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So there's some sort of connection with when the Holy Spirit is poured out, this tongue seems to happen in correlation with it a lot of the time. So, so that's why maybe a Pentecostal, a traditional Pentecostal stance would be, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Whereas I don't agree with that because of the example that I've given you. I believe there's people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, but they don't speak in tongues. But I also believe that they're, they're a sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit can be speaking in tongues, as we see here. As I said, some of the most amazing spirit-filled Christians that I know today have never spoken in tongues. So you can take the pressure off. It doesn't disqualify you. But, but hey, let's be open. Let's be willing to at least, let's seek it out. Let's see, God, is there something more for me? Can I go deeper here? Um, and this is the key verse, and I love this verse, and it's the verse that we read most, or, or the, the part of the Scriptures in 1 Corinthians 13 that we read most at weddings, because it's all about love. It says, if you speak in tongues, but don't have love along with it, it means absolutely nothing. It's useless. It also talks about all the other gifts, no matter what you use, whether it's prophecy, whether it's tongues, whether it's any kind of gift that God would give to you and it's for others and you're not doing it with the right motive, with the right heart. It's, it's, it might look impressive on the outside, but it's useless for God. It's useless for what he's trying to do for the transformation of people's hearts. It's, it, it, it has no value from God's sight. So I think that really puts everything back into context that the main thing is love. But, but hey, if God has got some abilities for us to love better, to love more, to encourage people, well, let's be open to it and let's see what God wants to do through that. Uh, and it's really not important that we understand it's not a badge of honor or it's not a badge of spiritual maturity or superiority. It's just a way to help people more. It's a way to stay encouraged. It's a way to finish the race well. It's a way uh, to endure hard seasons. It's a way that God has given to the church to help and not to hinder and not to hurt. And I think the big thing is here in Luke 11, it talks about it. If we seek God, we find God. If we ask, we receive. I think these are the kind of questions we want to be asking. Uh, and this is where we begin to receive is when we ask, God will give. He, he's like a good father. Why would a... If, it goes on to say, um, if your sons ask, which of you, you fathers, if your sons ask for a fish, will give him a snake instead? And that's the scriptures in, in Luke 11. So it's really saying is, listen, if you know how to give good gifts to your sons, why would God, who's even an even greater father, not give to you if you ask? Why would he give you something that's harmful? And so what he's really saying is, I've got good things, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not a threat to you. They're good for you. They're helpful. They'll feed you like fish. They'll strengthen your bones. They'll strengthen your heart. They'll allow you to love better your family and people at work who seem unlovable. That's why they're there. I'm trying to really get the point across. And maybe you're thinking, well, well, ugh, still feels a wee bit awkward. It's a bit like getting into the swimming pool. 
you know, some of us, we like to get in uh, the shallow end, and some of us will just bombs away, straight into the deep end with a massive splash. I think that's the same with when it comes to God and our relationship with God. Some of us are slow burners. We slowly take steps, gradually forward, uh, one step at a time, and then other, other, others of us just want to go straight into the deep end. But sometimes we go in the deep end, we can get bored because maybe we went in the deep end just to impress people with our splash, or we went in the deep end, you know, for whatever reason. And yet again, why are we going to swim? Why do we want to jump in? Why do we want the gifts of the Spirit? The heart has got to be right. The heart has got to be, I want to help people. I want to live a life of impact. I want to live a life of purpose. I want to move forward in my walk with God. I want to trust God more. I want God to give me visions and dreams of how I can help humanity, lead, lead them to... Uh, truth and knowledge of Christ and come to faith uh, and so God I need your Holy Spirit to breathe on me right now to give me the vision to give me the power to give me the dreams that is required to do so hope you enjoyed the podcast today I hope it encouraged you there's a few things I'd love you to do I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube iTunes or Spotify account this is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariatchurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.